Europe. You already know what the fuck's going on. It's Shayla the girl, your girl, and you are tuning in for an episode of the Chiz podcast that might liberate you or might push your buttons. You never know. So without any further need to delay, because I've had a motherfucking week, grab a glass, pop a squat, and get comfy to get uncomfy, because your week's finna get a little tips, yeah. Cheers, ho! Afternoon or evening or booty cow hours, whatever time of day it is that you're listening to this, and welcome to another episode of the Cheers Podcast. I'm so happy that you are back another week listening to my nigga ass um, here talking shit. And if this is your first time listening to the Cheers Podcast, welcome to my nigga ass talking shit. Um, you're in for a treat or, you know, to be frustrated. Either way, I'm so happy that you're here. Please excuse the ruffling. I'm having an eczema outbreak on my hands and so I have to like lather my hands in shea butter and then cover myself with plastic gloves because Satan cannot have me. I'm going to cut the shit and I'm going to get right to the point. Yes, it is Friday. Yes, you are just getting the podcast on Friday. Yes, it was supposed to be here on Monday. If anybody has a problem, you can come and see me on the north side and fight me. Satan tried to fight me earlier this week, and that is why you are just getting it today. Y'all, I've been through a lot this week. I'm going to give you a little bit just in the spirit of me telling y'all entirely too much of my business, and then we're going to get down to business. Number one, I went back to work this week and it is just as ghetto as I thought it was going to be. Um, There have been a lot of implications um, because of negative implications because of coronavirus and um, this distance learning. You would think that the government would pour more money into the education system um, in a perilous time like this in which, you know, we have to alter education but make sure that these kids are still getting the things that they deserve, right? You would think that they would pour more money into that Oh, no, but Betsy the stupid ass and Agent Orange Clementine up down in Washington acting a fucking ass fool. Um, Budget cuts, severe budget cuts. A lot of teachers pay, including mine, is down a significant amount, and that's causing a lot of stress on us. Not only is our pay cut down significantly, our cut is paid down significantly because Um, there are no extra classes to be taught. They got rid of a lot of sections. So that is making our class sizes extremely larger. I have bleep number of students in my first period. It is more than 40 students. Due to the fact that things are online, everybody has to pick up extra slack, which I understand is completely necessary and take on a group of students that they are mentoring and be looking after them, which I completely understand. But that is essentially another class to keep up with and we are not being paid. So there's just a lot of stress going on right now um, with work. Uh, And, you know, this is district-wide, nationwide. I'm sure that I didn't say anything that was shocking to any other educator out there. Um, This is our life. However, life is stressful. And I think it would be ridiculous for us to just say this is life and keep it moving. Yes, at some point we do have to keep it moving, but I'm not going to sit here and bottle up my emotions and pretend that this is not fucking with my entire life. It is fucking with my entire life. That's number one. 
Um, number two, I've just been having some health issues this week. Like I said, I've been having this really bad outbreak, um, but it's not just my skin that is dry. My entire body is dry, everything. I've just not been feeling well, which is why I couldn't even record. Like I just like my, I did not like the sound of my voice. Like everything just felt really icky. It was bad. Um, I've also been having really, I get really terrible migraines with aura. And so I was just having all of that. And then you already know all of this was causing my mood to be fucked up. So I've just been fucked up all week. And I'm not going to lie. I've been having really unreasonable thoughts. Like, you know, you be having unreasonable thoughts that you know, like, I know this is unreasonable, but I can't help but feel it. Like, I understand that we're in a global pandemic and a lot of these things are outside of my control. But like, you know, when a lot of fucked up shit just start happening to you all at once, it's just kind of like, what decisions could I have made differently for me to avoid this situation? Like, I had to have done something. There could have been something that I did that I just fucking missed that I could have done to alleviate this situation as to, and, and it should not be as fucked up as it is right now. And I know that that's not necessarily reasonable because it was outside of my control, but, you know, whatever. Now that I done complained about it and cried about it, I got to pull myself up by my uh, knee-high bootstraps and keep it pushing. And with y'all's love and encouragement and the support of my friends and family, I know that I'm going to be just fine. And I think that that's the beauty of it, right? I have my week of feeling fucked up and I do all of this and I carry on and I cry. But at the end of the day, at the end of the week, it comes back to the fact I am loved. I'm highly favored and I'm supported by a network of amazing people and innumerable amount of people. And it's fucking lit. And honestly, I couldn't really let the week escape without giving y'all this motherfucking episode. I owe it to the gracious guests that came through. I owe it to y'all and I owe it to my damn self to let y'all hear this episode because it's fucking flames. It's a big flame, uninterrupted heat, um, even though it is going to have to be interrupted because it was so goddamn long that it does have to be in two parts. So God bless you. You're getting a two-part episode um but let's cut this shit get into the shit so that we can really get into the shit couple things that i want to address the great stallion i love you god bless you thank you for everything that you've um done for us and thank you for everything that you've contributed to the culture we love you and we appreciate you you are our champion and i promise i will beat anybody's fucking ass if they want the smoke about you i do not play about you great stallion i listen 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 no i'm not the bitch because she's not the bitch we're not the bitch and at no the answer is no second of all I have amazing motherfucking friends that are doing amazing motherfucking things. Everybody that I know has a fucking business. You know what I'm saying? Everybody that I know is doing some lit shit. And so I just want to shout out a couple of my fucking friends that have recently had their business ventures become underway and they're off to amazing starts. And I just want you all to support them. So first and foremost, my master, y'all masters, Master Breeze and her ministry of customs with a breeze. This bitch can customize everything. She is responsible for every single piece of Cheers merch that you have ever seen. Um, she makes doormats. She makes custom wine glasses, T-shirts, you name it. She can make fucking anything, so you definitely need to hit her up. I'm going to put her information in the show notes below. I'm going to put everybody's information in the show notes below, so you better go and support and patronize my bitches. That's number one. Uh, so shout out Master Breeze. Uh, you motherfucking lit. You're my nigga. Number two, Regimen Self-Care. Jasmine, Yellow Bone, my motherfucking baby has uh, launched Regimen Self-Care. I mean, she been launched it, but she just recently launched her website and she's doing amazing fucking things. So shout out to Jasmine at Regimen Self-Care. It is a general self-care brand. She has body butters, twisting butters. It's generally body and hair care, skin care, and just self-care in general. It's not just necessarily the product, but there also is the website 
where there is uh, are rather self-care avenues and she promotes different businesses that also promote self-care so you know ecosystem putting others on uh, collective work and responsibility Ujima we love to see it um, and then I also want to shout out my good girl Nisi, you know, uh, our good sponsor over at ASAP Glam and the Melanin Moisture line. They recently had a big uh, launch again. And you know, that is my good, 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 good sister and baby. And I love Nisi Nisi, the motherfucking niece. So definitely go shout out Melanin Moistures with the oils and the butters and all of that good shit. We love to see it. And then y'all already know who's motherfucking next. My good motherfucking sister, Lee of the artists from motherfucking Hakima Studios. Y'all are gonna motherfucking buy black art. Y'all are gonna buy art from black women because honestly, they be making the best art, period, point blank. Um, she does commissions. She has amazing fucking prints right now. She has an amazing print, uh, amazing sale on five by seven prints. She also just did a relaunch on her website. So basically what I'm saying is that all of my friends are bad bitches and they all have services that you need. So you need to go patronize them. Um, and I know you will. Um, Go do that shit. We love to see it. Today's niggalation, you see how I slid into that? We're at the niggalation. And this is early, comparatively speaking. For the last couple episodes, we wasn't getting into the niggalation until like 25 minutes. I'm trying to get y'all motherfuckers in and out of here. Today's niggalation, we take from the good chapter 104, verse 2. And the good word tells us, ignorance kills its landlord. Whew. One more time for the girls. Ignorance kills its landlord. Now, I've hobbled this word together or cobbled this word together. Yeah, because hobble means to like walk and like, oh, like what babies do. So like cobble this. Yeah, put it together. I've cobbled this word together from two popular phrases um, that I've realized are true. One is true. One is not true. Put it together to make a good word. We've all heard the phrase anger kills this landlord because it does, bitch. Stay angry. You're going to die. Your skin going to shrivel up. You're going to be stressful. You're going to have heart problems and you're going to die at an early age. Let that anger shit go. I know from experience it's not well. I have anger issues to the point where I have literally had like bodily failings, like physical, like bodily problems. Anger will for sure kill you. So there's that phrase. But then also there's the phrase ignorance is bliss. And um, no, the fuck it's not. Ignorance is stupid as fuck. Because if you're ignorant, that means that you're moving in a way that is probably going to be an affront or an offense to somebody else's life because you don't give a fuck to know right enough about people outside of you. So that is where I derive the phrase ignorance kills this landlord. If you remain ignorant in this lifetime and you remain married to the thoughts and the knowledge that you have and do not expand your life views to outside of what you know, you're not growing. And what is happening to something that is not growing? It is dying. Ignorance will kill you. And this is why I promote learning. That is why my ministry personally is the sharing of knowledge. I love to gain knowledge. Please, if you have something to teach me, I want to fucking learn it. Because wisdom comes from knowing that I don't know as much as I think I know. Like, yeah, I know a lot and I'm confident in what I know, but I'm also confident in the fact that it don't hurt me to learn some shit from somebody else that knows some shit. And that I am growing and living in my purpose as long as I am learning and sharing what I know with others. The niggas that like to keep their shit to themselves and not grow and not accept other people's mindsets or have their own fucked up mindsets and not take in any opposing mindset but like to spread their fucked up ideologies. You're dying. You're dying. And you may not be physically dying, but you're not like you're going to stay in the same space. You're going to reap the same benefits or losses um, from these same situations because you're not growing. And I don't feel bad for you. Um, I feel bad for you. Jesus wants me to have sympathy and empathy. So I do feel 
I mean, but even feeling bad, like, I don't want to feel bad for because who am I to feel bad for anybody? Because I, I want you all to grow. There it is. Let's settle there. I want you all to grow. That being said, today's episode, I want you all to use it as a learning and a growing experience. Uh, a lot of things are going to be said that is going to fuck with a lot of y'all's theology or it's going to give you a new perspective. I want everybody to keep an open mind because this conversation has been ruffling a lot of feathers lately. Um, today at the door is a lovely friend of mine Nancy, who I understand to be a cultural commentator, although let her tell it, she just be talking, um, which is all any of us do, just be talking, right? But anyway, uh, and Nancy and I have been having a lot of conversations, especially on the, um, as we were waiting for and on the heels of Blackest King coming out, uh, we were having a lot of conversations about traditional African spirituality because Nancy is from Ghana, I am from Nigeria, and we both come from strong Christian backgrounds, but we also have immersed ourselves fully in Black studies, and that is global Black studies and understanding the historical implications of the spread of Christianity we just wanted to discuss, you know, why our ideas on traditional African spiritualities versus, I mean, in Eastern spiritualities in general, right, versus the idea of Western Christianity, to be clear and clarify, Western Christianity and the people that subscribe to Western Christianity, why we think they do, and things of that nature, um, so yeah, why don't you just go grab a drink or refill yours and I'm going to play a little bit of music just to let you all know this is the great motherfucking fella we are playing, fella. Uh, he's the reason why I call myself Anikulakpo, which means I carry death in my pocket. One day I'll explain to you all why I say that about myself and yeah, let's do that and then get back. Oh, and by the way, uh, this quarantine recording is trash. And so I totally lost like the first 10 to 15 minutes of the episode. But I promise you, we jump in right where it motherfucking matters. So yeah, period. Unless you tell them to go Zombie Zombie not go stop Unless you tell them to stop Zombie Zombie not go turn Unless you tell them to turn Zombie Zombie not go think Unless you tell them to think Zombie Zombie oh zombie Zombie oh zombie Zombie oh zombie So before we do anything else Let's toast up this special selection Today we are drinking hibiscus tea we are not libating with spirits but we are libating with herbs instead and we're having hibiscus tea uh hibiscus tea it's uh you know it has calming effects it's very good for the internal organs very good for the immune system um definitely one of those like super herbs but also it um, is a symbol of freedom and individuality in one of my favorite books, which is Purple Hibiscus by Chimamanda Adichie. And it also is going to kind of contribute to the conversation that we're having today. So, yeah, virtual cheers, Nance. Virtual cheers. <laughs> yes. Can you even see me? Is my camera still I can on? see you. I can see you. You can see Okay. Yep. Yeah. Well, mm -hmm, all of that good stuff. <laughs> so before we get into anything else, uh, I have to ask you the question that I ask everybody when they come through the podcast. What is free? What is my ministry? Mm -hmm. Just sorry. You just kind of cut up right there. <laughs> but um, hmm. so this is. To be truth be told, this is a, that's a question that I've been kind of grappling with um, 
I would say in the past two to three years, um, since like graduating college and moving to New York, I've just been trying to find out. I've been kind of on that journey. Um, and I, yeah. th- I think I am getting close to that answer. Um, and it's somewhere around the realm of, I, I feel like, and I know this might, this might sound like cliche, but ever since. Girl, there's nothing like cliche. <laughs> speak, let your heart speak. Isn't that, aren't you reading the, aren't you reading the, um, the cheer selection? <laughs> this one didn't. No, yes. said you have to let your heart speak. Let your heart speak, sis. Yes. Um, but ever since this current uprising um, in our society, I, I've, I've felt like my, my ministry or my calling or purpose is to, is to be a, a person that en- engages with people through, not, through education. I feel this way because I'm I'm a seeker of knowledge and I've always have been. Um, Even as a kid, like I was always the kid that would ask questions and like raise my hand and people would just call me a know-it-all for, for most of my life (laughs) in class. Right. Um, Of course. That's an African girl syndrome. Like I don't know. Or I like I know very few African girls that weren't the know-it-all in class raising our hands. Yeah. I know it. I know it is me. Pick on me. Yeah. yeah. I know. I know. Yeah. Yeah. So oh, yeah. one a, a a good um colleague of mine who's also a mentor, um, she kind of told me that she sees in me a natural born leader. Um, and that's not something I've ever like really saw in myself. Um, and she called out the fact that I'm a seeker of knowledge. And so I've been trying to figure out how do I, how do I bring other people along, along this journey, um, and, and dedicate my life to this, this kind of work. So that's what I've been trying to kind of hone in on for specifically for like the past month and a half. Um, but it's, it's been definitely a question that's been top of mind for me for, for like the past two to three years. <laughs> Indeed. Um, where do you think you see the ministry of leadership taking you? Like, I mean, the possibilities are infinite because, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, like in on your introduction, you know, you're very intelligent, you know, very ethereal. You know, I feel like you're definitely somebody who searches for like authentic purpose and whatnot. So the possibilities are endless for you. But where do you think you see your ministry of leadership taking you? What are the possible avenues? <sighs> that is such a good question. <laughs> um, <laughs> I... I, I guess, in in a way, and I, I don't know if this is the right path, but it has something to do with either academia, education, um, just but the end goal being really to touch as many people as I can, um, and to I don't want to say educate because I don't I don't want to put myself in a position of like. I'm the, I'm the person that's knowing and people are not knowing, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to be, I don't want to create that, that relationship, but I do see it leading me to a path of sharing my knowledge and what I learned with as many people as possible, whether that be through um, traditional ways of education. So maybe that looks like a seminar, classroom talks of some sort or um writing it down um I don't want to say like I've been thinking about it a little bit <laughs> um but I don't I don't want to say it um but like oh right do we talk oh keep it on the low yeah keep it on you, the know. Low. you know you know where I'm going with this <laughs> keep it on the low I got you I got um, you I got but you. yeah using my pen as a means of sharing more knowledge um Indeed. I guess uh, I see myself 
I see myself in so many different avenues. Sometimes it gets so overwhelming for me when I think about it. Um, but I, I just need to kind of hone in on what what's the skill that I can harness now um, to create a path forward. I feel that. I feel that. That's real. That's real. And you know, that it's a pivotal part of the journey. Mm-hmm. It's not to be rushed. You know, so I think that you're doing great and, you know, just taking your time and figuring those things out for yourself. Mm-hmm. It's all going to it's all going to come to fruition. I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah. It's going to be great. Oh, thanks. <laughs> so how do you say how would you say that you sustain yourself um, through, you know, the journey of trying to figure out what it is that you're doing, what it is that you would like to do, where you would like your ministry to take you, et cetera? Uh, this is something that I am not that great at, um, like prioritizing myself and my self-care, my self-care and mental health. Um, the ways I have tried to stay grounded has have been through um there are two two ways so physical um physically i've I've tried to stay grounded through like exercising um that kind of went all out the window once coronavirus hit <laughs> if I'm being oh, completely girl. honest <laughs> yes, ma'am. um but before that it was very very helpful to, it really helped with my my mental health and my self-care. And I didn't realize how much I depended on it until coronavirus hit. Um, That like, like going to the, even the action of just like waking up, putting on my gym clothes and going to the gym. um, I like staying grounded. That helped me stay grounded throughout my day. Like I use the gym as like, okay, go to the gym and then go to work. And then like, do other things or maybe go to work and then go to the gym. Like my schedule was like centered on exercising. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I mean, was I guess. (laughs) Yeah, it was, was. (laughs) Don't worry. You're going to get back into it. You're going to get back into it. Yes. Um, But uh, the other piece of it is spiritually, which is, 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 is really interesting because, Physic, like the the physical ways that I've stayed grounded has have deteriorated during this um, during this pandemic, but spiritually it's increased. I'm trying to become more biblical, um, and also just tapping more into spir- my spirituality. Like I'm definitely not like candidly. I am. I I feel like there's a spectrum. Um, of how much you can tap into it. I feel like if if there is a spectrum, I'm I'm more on the beginning side, beginning end of it. Um so yeah, at I, the I, beginning of the eat, pray, love journey. Yeah, <laughs> basically. Yeah, so so but that it's it's interesting because it's just like one part of me not gone missing, but I've definitely I definitely haven't tapped into it, but the other part has I've been seeking more knowledge and spirituality and faith um, during this time. It's interesting that you mentioned spirituality. Isn't it? (laughs) That is what we are here to speak of today. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Talk to me about your history of like your spiritual journey and like how you, um come to because I understand you know you are very pro-black um I we were just talking about you know you parlaying all of your knowledge and like love of blackness into you know a ministry of leadership and knowledge sharing so um I kind of want to know about your spiritual background and how you know blackness plays a part in into it because mm-hmm. uh, I feel like I've been on uh, my own kind of I don't know I've been on my own kind of journey of self-discovery and how it all plays a part in my identity 
And yeah, so just, I guess, talk to me about that. Yeah, so um, I grew up in church. Um, I grew up in a Presbyterian church um, for most of my life. I went to church all the time as a kid. Um, I was telling you earlier, I went to church like every day to the point where church was my favorite place to go, (laughs) like middle school. Um, <laughs> middle school, Nancy, B I B L E, yeah, <laughs> early high school, Nancy. I was in church all the time. A part of it was also because I genuinely liked the people at my church. Like, I love my pastor that I grew up with in Baltimore. Um, so I like loved the people, I just loved wholeheartedly, like, really loved the people at church. Um, even though sometimes they would get on my nerves, like, you know. Oh, people always get on your nerves, <laughs> but <laughs> um, of course. But it was, but I really enjoyed being there, um, and it was a place where I could really harness my talent too. Um, I grew up studying music, and so church was like. Um, early on, I figured out that music was the way that I could very easily speak speak to God. Um, and so church is mm. where I found, I found that kind of talent and I really, well, it's not where I found it, but it's where I started to really practice it until I went to school for it. Um, and so, and a little background, I went to an arts high school, so. Wait, you went to school I went for to music? arts high school. Yes. I was about to say, I didn't know <laughs> that about you. Yeah. I went Which to one? school for the arts. Um. I was about to say, wow. Yeah, play saxophone. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, but. Wow. Look at Nancy's <laughs> knowledge. Okay. Um, but yeah, that's why I like. Um, that's fun. Music is like, a, I love music. And, and but the reason why is, is because, or a big part of it is, is because that's how. Like, as a kid, that's how I really connected with God. Like, um, in choir, uh, when I was playing in the band, and, like, it was just my way of, everyone has a different way, um, and my way was really in song. And so, um, mm. and my mom kind of knew that very often early, like, as, like, a little Tiwi baby, like, she would sing songs to me, and that's how I would, you mm kind of like communicate back so not to ramble um but uh yeah so (laughs) I was really heavy involved in church and then there was kind of a shift in high school and I, I feel like this is pretty normal for a lot of people um but there was a shift in high school when I started to learn more about uh black history um and specifically um African American history and then tying it to West African history. I started to learn about that. Um Atlantic slave trade, colonialism, imperialism, a little bit more deeper than what we were taught yeah. in middle school. And me being mm-hmm. knowledge seeker, I had to go do my Googles on my own. That's <laughs> like class. All right. And consult your good sis Googleisha. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And the things that I text found... Text her, text her. She won't steer you wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The things that I found in terms of um, Christianity and, uh, and its direct connection to slavery um, and how Christianity was just weaponized um, to enslave Black folk, Black people, um, or African, African slaves, like, it... It really, it didn't, I, that's when I started to kind of break away. And it wasn't something that I like intentionally said, said like, oh, I'm going to step, I'm going to distance myself. Um, it's, this isn't actually something that I realized until literally this year that, um, that's what happened because last year I went through this journey where I was like, I want to be closer to God, but there was something I knew that there was something like blockage. Yeah. Like blocking me. And 
um, I really had to like look within myself, like look through my history um, and figure out like, okay, like this is the point where I really started to, to unconsciously distance, distance myself. Um, and so now I'm, I'm back on the journey <laughs> um, <laughs> and trying to tap in. I'm going to say, I'm going to say tap in. Yeah. Trying to tap in. <laughs> um, tap in. And, and build uh, a relationship with God. So, yeah, that's like I my, feel like I feel like there's a lot of people who can connect with that. Um, I was about to say, I feel like that's everybody. That's me, honestly. Mm-hmm. I feel like we can all say that we share the same thing. Um, you know me, Nigerian, Yoruba, super mm-hmm. Christian, bro. Like super, super Christian. Uh, grew up super Christian. There was never necessarily, I got, I never, there was never, I didn't know God. Like I grew up in the church type situation. Mm-hmm. And um you know, I always felt a very strong conviction to Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that over the last year or so, I've really uncovered, or like, the, I think since I moved to Las Vegas after graduation, that I've really suffered religious trauma syndrome <laughs> mm. um, for the bulk of my life. And I really had to go on my own journey and like discover, you know, God for myself and not just, um, you know, blindly through the teachings that I've received since I was a kid. And, you know, this journey is everlasting. I make new discoveries every day. I, we were on the phone earlier today. I told you that I had a mind blowing <laughs> discovery, mm-hmm. like a revolutionary life changing discovery. Mm-hmm. Um, just two days ago. So, you know, definitely in that same boat with you. And, you know, I think there's a lot of people, like I said, in that boat and, um, it's been a topic of controversy lately. You know, everybody's all up in arms because it seems like, um, there's a call mm-hmm. from a lot of devout Christians saying that, um, you know, this obsession or I mean, they would say obsession or this interest, this desire and longing to be more connected to our blackness is um, diverting us away from God. I don't know if you've heard mm-hmm. that argument. Um, I, I have not heard it. I've not seen it recently, but I've heard it before. I've heard okay. it before. So. Um, what is your experience with, I guess, that kind of school of thought? Yeah. Well, even ever since I was a kid, I always had a very strong belief. And and the thing about religion in my household, I grew up with just my mom. Um, so me and my mom, we, we talked a lot more than I have witness say my other West African friends specifically Ghanaian and Nigerian friends like yes girl I'm not gonna lie I know I noticed that <laughs> well actually really I'm Nigerian like, I'll say Nigerian I was about to say because you know shit like <laughs> we don't talk to our parents. yeah I've, I've seen I've, I've definitely noticed that and I, I didn't know whether it was really because um of just like the natural relationship me and my mom had in terms of like um, just me and her being by ourselves. Like we only had each other. So like we had to, the only person I could ask questions to was her, you know? So, yeah. um, But even as a kid, I always thought that we all, even if, if, even if you, um, you were of a religion of many gods, there was always a superior one. There's always a superior one. And um, I always thought that we all, as human beings, believed in the same God. We just have different cultural practices, languages, whereas though we call it different things, um, we, but in terms of more morality and like um, principles, it's rooted a lot in, in a lot of religions is rooted in a lot of the same principles. Um, 
So I've never liked to say one is the right way and is the only right is is the only way. Um because I do think that's rooted in like in some form of supremacy. We could talk about that. I'm definitely I was about to say I'm definitely fucking with vibes. Um and you know we have been talking about this me and Nancy have been talking about this for like the last like three weeks. Like this has been on our <laughs> minds really heavy. Um I think it's especially been heavy on my mind because I have been reading up on the traditional Yoruba religion, mm-hmm. like the traditional uh, spirituality of my ancestors. And, um, you know, I think that there's that idea that you just spoke to is a very revolutionary idea for so many people just because Christianity, even though its roots are very, um, it's very rooted in Eastern spirituality. It was mm-hmm. spread as a Western yep. idea mm-hmm. um, and as a Western concept. And um, yep. Western concepts are very singular and insular. They're yep. very, um, this is the only way. Yeah. Um, uh, and, you know, Eastern spiritualities aren't necessarily like that. Uh, and I think that there's a layer of guilt and fear that is associated with the whole idea of this Western Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that it is that way purposefully because it makes you not question things, right? Yeah. So if you are deathly afraid of going to hell, right? Or not even deathly afraid of going to hell, but so severely attached to the idea of a paradise, mm-hmm. right? you will follow rules Mm -hmm. in order to earn what is on the other side, right? Or avoid what is on the other side. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think there's that. I think that uh, one reason why people probably turn more towards uh, or turning back towards, or I mean, not necessarily back towards because like, I said earlier, um, whereas Western religions are and spiritualities are more, um, this is the only way Eastern religions and spiritualities allow for, you know, the presence of other ideations, explanations, Mm -hmm. manifestations, names for, um, you know, God. Ooh, what was the point I was making? I lost myself. Damn, those too many big <laughs> words back to back. <laughs> oh, what was I saying? So um, something else about the difference between Western and Eastern spiritualities is that Western, um, Western spiritualities are very results-driven, results-based. Um, as in, if you do this, 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 and this, in the end, after your life, you will get this, right? Um, mm-hmm. As opposed to Eastern spiritualities, which are more so centered on how to live a good and balanced life. Like, I think a lot, like, um, Ooh, and you know, I don't want to take away. I was about to say, I don't want to take too much away from Christianity because I believe, I believe, I still believe in the principles. I believe in the teachings of Jesus Christ. I am a follower. You know what I'm saying? Um, Mm -hmm. I believe, but you know what I'm saying? But like, you also have to challenge things. And I believe that he would want me to challenge these things, right? And address these things. Um, You know, it's very Mm -hmm. results driven. Do this, do this, do this. And then afterwards, you're going to get here. Whereas other spiritualities, it's like, you know, 
this is how you live a good life. This is how you do this. This is how you should treat people. And this is how you do this. Like, I think it's more focused on the journey than the end. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting that you say. No, go ahead. I was just going to um, quickly say, it's really interesting that you, you you talk about the results-driven piece because that is a key characteristic of white dominant culture um, in general. That's a very key characteristic um, that kind of fuels white dominant culture. So one thing that I've noticed is that um, as we kind of delve into this conversation of spirituality more, it's not... It's something that's definitely shied away, shied away from in our society in general, especially within you know our, the black community. Um, and to your point, I think it's really more about fear um, of talking about it. But if we're going to talk about white supremacy, if we're going to talk about white dominant culture, if we're going to talk about slavery, we're going to talk about colonialism and imperialism. We can't do that without talking about religion. And I, I feel like people. People don't want to go there. And I, I get, I understand why. Um, but you essentially can't talk about it without it because it's rooted in the same. The religion was was weaponized to build what we see today. So you yeah. can't talk about what we see today and all the systems that go into play without also talking about the weapon that was used to, to create it. Right. Um, I also think that in the Black community and I mean, definitely in society, right? Like everything that we see in the Black community, uh, we very rarely see unique problems. We usually see problems that are um, heightened or um, engendered around specific uh, areas, concept or Mm -hmm. thing. But, you know, uh, in our community, you know, there's the very much so uh, don't ask too many questions Mm -hmm. vibe. Um, but I also think that that goal, um, we adopt this idea of Westernized Christianity and then mixed with the don't ask too many questions piece, um, we kind of are in a position where we're afraid to question authoritative figures, um, And we also don't have a whole lot of historical context, right? Mm -hmm. Like very few people that I know who I love and are amazing people, fabulous model. I mean, I don't say model Christians, but you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, model Christians, right? You're supposed to model um, the life of Christ for others, right? To make the life of, you know, the blessings that Christ has to offer attractive and all of those things, right? Model Christians that, don't know historical context around the Bible at all, right? Mm-hmm. Like the things that were occurring when it was being written, right? The geographical mm-hmm. context, you know, versus scientific evidence of where, you know, human remains have been found as to, you know, yep. and I think there's this whole idea that it's just kind of like, well, you're not God, so you don't know and we can't explain. And it's just kind of like, no, you're absolutely right, right? Let's assume that, human like okay nancy i i saw this on the so i i the grapevine has an episode of mm-hmm. uh on this topic everybody should go watch it because uh pastor coriel scott he says something really profound he says um let's assume right now humanity has a certain percentage of god's infinite knowledge right what percent do you think that is Mm, 10. So let's say we have 10%. Do you think that the complexity, I mean, <laughs> bro, I don't know, bro. It could be one. It could be one. Yeah. It could be point zero. Like we don't know, right? Yeah. We don't know. I don't, I don't, honestly, I don't think it's above 20, but <laughs> you <laughs> know, we don't know how much it is, but how can we like, how arrogant of anybody would it be to assume that we know everything or we know the right path exactly Mm -hmm. to you know to God and who God is and what he's mapped out and who he's like you know what I'm saying 
Yeah. Um, and um, if we think that your humanity only has for, like you say, 10%, how much of that 10% of all of humanity do you have? Mm-hmm. Do mm. you think that, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, how can you really say, who can really say, who can really say? And that's not to say that I don't believe, like, and I feel like I keep having to, like, reiterate this. Yeah. Uh, and I'm going to stop reiterating this because I don't necessarily owe anybody an explanation. I've already made myself very clear, you know, but these are things that we have to interrogate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. I agree. And I think, though, that interrogation doesn't necessarily mean that you are walking away from it or you are condemning it or you are you're you're breaking ties um, with your faith. And I I feel like that's the problem. Like and I, I see it even when we're talking about like general topics that that's not about religion, like um well, if you don't agree with something, well, not necessarily agree, but if you if you start to question it or interrogate it, then that means you don't you disagree, and that means that you are on the complete opposite side of the spectrum, and that's not necessarily true. Um, it's right. just that you are questioning things, um, and sometimes those questions lead to to greater answers that strengthen your faith. Um, so I don't understand. I, I mean, I do understand why folks, why folks like have a tendency to do that. Just that's just how our society is built. But um, it should it shouldn't be that way. Like when I hear, like we hear all the time, like in how in our African household, like when you when you question it, that means oh well, now you're going to hell because you question mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> cause I mean that's how our parents are about us yeah. and that's how the government is about us you question me it's a wrap yep. right like and I think the reason why so many people this is about to be a spicy take Nancy cover me I'm going in Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> okay what you about to say now <laughs> <clears throat> I think so many people cling to the idea of this westernized version of Christianity because um, it's very power bestowing (laughs) and not necessarily, um, I mean, yes, obviously the teachings are very power bestowing in terms of like self-worth and um, having value uh, and living in purpose, but also like The, the ideology allows you to take power and take charge of shit. It really does. Mm. And if you think about it, that's why people like that. It's, it's, that's why it's so kind of, you know, I don't want to say it was so easy for them to use it to take power. Like if you think about it, well, one, let's think about how religion is spread anyway. Religion was generally spread across economic lines, right? Mm-hmm. So even thinking about like, the spread of Islam through North Africa, right? The reason why that generally happened or the spread of Islam to West Africa, right? That was because of the empire of Mali. They were trading gold for salt, right? Uh, to Northern um, Northern Africa, which at the time were um, the Islamic empires, right? Muhammad's empires. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> they adopted Islam, right? Because of the people they were trading with, the journeys that they were taking, the people that they were communing with, right? Um, It's easier to do business with, establish economic domain with somebody who is like you, Mm -hmm. right? So Mm -hmm. that's how, you know, Islam was spread kind of throughout West Africa, thinking about how Christianity was spread um it kind of gave people the room and the space and the excuse to take up space and take power mm-hmm. um thinking about the people that really first adopted it leaders people that got put 
in charge. Yep. People that were the ones that got to tell people what to do. Yeah. And not only people did they that adopt organized it, they sponsored it. Sponsored, you know what I'm saying? They they traded, they traded lives for it. Mm-hmm. You know, they um I mean, and if you think about Christianity as the base of America, right? Like one nation under God, even though it's supposed to be for religious, I mean, it's supposed to stand for religious freedom, right? But the God of the Declaration of Independence is the Christian God, Yep. right? There's no denying that, right? Why else would this country be as Islamophobic as it is? Yep. Um, it's been an excuse to take power. Like even when, um, let's be honest, Nancy, what was the white people doing? Like in the 1400s and the 1300s, like between, so like, let's say what the fall of the Roman empire what was the fall of the Roman empire, like what, 600 something between 600 and 14, uh, in, uh, 1400. What do you think niggas was doing or white people was doing rather I feel like you, now I feel like I'm getting quizzed. <laughs> I mean, it's not like, I don't, I don't want specific days. I mean, like just, just specific attitudes. Cause I mean, like we know what was happening throughout the rest of the world, right? Brilliant, mind blowing, scientific, economic, yeah. um, philosophical developments. Yeah. Right. Meanwhile, the Roman empire, which was the beginning of whiteness was crumbling. Right. Yeah. And they didn't really have shit. Bubonic plague, right? When they traveled to Africa, when they traveled to South America and North America, uh, and they saw people not wearing the same clothes as them, when they saw that the trees were still there and that shit wasn't in ruin, (laughs) right? They really thought it was the Garden of Eden. Mm Mm-hmm. And before I even get there, right? Damn, Nancy, I feel like I'm talking too much. <laughs> I'm sorry. I feel like I'm talking too much. I feel like I'm talking too much. Am I talking I, too much? No. No. You were talking. You know, I, th- I think you should keep going. <laughs> okay. And so even before we get to that, right, Um. We have to even think about how white people ended up as the stewards of Christianity in the first place. Yeah. So when you when you were mentioning, you were putting the emphasis on Western Christianity. Um, like a lot of one thing I've noticed, if you ask even the most like God fearing people I know, if you ask them about what you mentioned about like the historical context context of Christianity, they wouldn't know and one thing that I've been recently kind of delving into is um, Ethiopian Christianity and how it, how it appeared there Um, and how kind of it look, it looks a little different than what we, what we know of modern day Christianity. And so, um, and different in, in terms of like how it's practiced. And so, I've just been getting into that, but, um, yeah, so continue, continue. (laughs) (laughs) And the reason why Ethiopia's Christianity looks much different, or I mean, different, um, from Western Christianity is because Ethiopia was in, like, was a part of the, you know, the, the land structure, the geography of where Jesus was. Exactly. Right. Yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, if we think about if, if uh everybody walk with me now, if you're able to, unless you're driving, <laughs> pull up a world map, <laughs> zoom in to what we now call the Middle East. So like North Africa, Southwest Asia, the Mediterranean. Jesus was at the top center of Arabia, right? The area that was considered Arabia. That's um, where Saudi Arabia is now uh, and Israel. At that time, Israel was an annex of the Roman Empire. 
naturally, I mean, the Ro- first of all, the Romans definitely, uh, apparently there was like a push to say like the Romans didn't crucify Jesus. <laughs> White people again trying to assuage themselves mm-hmm. of guilt. Like what the fuck? Like y'all not even wrong. Like it was ancient wrong, but you know, that's <laughs> neither here nor there. Um, so he was, you know, crucified in ancient Rome. Um, all of Jesus's close niggas and followers were persecuted, crucified on crosses shaped like X's, burnt, fucked up, mm-hmm. persecuted. Mm-hmm. Paul became the main steward of Christianity because he had access to Roman officials, Roman royalty. And he mm-hmm. was the one that was really able to push the message forward, right? Yep. And then when you think but about that. by the that, time the message goes west, right, the people who are not, we're talking about the, the papacy, the Vatican in Rome, right? Because Rome is now the steward of Christianity, Y'all niggas never met Jesus. Y'all wasn't around Jesus. Y'all just got the message. Y'all didn't even get it straight from the faucet. You got some kind of watered down version. And then you also have to think about the type of nigga that Paul was. Paul wasn't perfect. None of these niggas that wrote the Bible was perfect. Paul was writing some weird shit in the Bible, bro. Paul was talking about some slaves. I mean, I'm just saying, Paul was talking about some slaves. Um, Slaves be... Slaves be obedient to your masters, but masters be good to your slaves. Like, yeah, he was writing some real shit in the Bible, but a a lot of the stuff sometimes he was writing was like mad, not self-serving, but also like you have to think he was also a leader, right? Mm -hmm. And we can't, like, if we can look today and see all of our leaders and see how ego can affect some of our best leaders, like even just looking at a contemporary Christian context, T.D. Jakes. Pastor Mike Todd, like Transformation Church, young nigga, love him. He's still very patriarchal. He has failings. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like men have failings. Yeah. So, you know, for him to get to be the steward of Christianity and this message be pushed forward and then we get to the papacy in Rome and then they want to do the crusades or, I mean, because then, you know, there's the rise of the Islamic empires, Muhammad, right? And so then that whole area, North Africa, all of that gets overtaken up through Spain, right? Gets overtaken uh, and becomes Islamic territory. But Hoti, like, even as was Islamic territory, Christians weren't being persecuted. I mean, Christians were being persecuted, right? Christians have always been persecuted, but like all people of all religious faiths have always been persecuted by opposing people because that's just necessarily how things go. But people mm-hmm. were allowed to practice, right, freely. Um, it was the white people, the papacy. It was Pope Urban, right? It was just kind of like, we have to go and take back Jerusalem. Um, and we have to go and take back Israel because that's the land us. and it's just kind of like a lot of people's religious figures came from Arabia bro <laughs> yeah. everybody's came from there or not everybody's but a lot of people's came from there right mm-hmm. so for you to have this watered down message of Jesus Christ this Western removed version of Jesus Christ. And then we have to talk about it. Like people don't even realize they didn't do a lot of like good recordings, um, like good in depth uh, for uh, like recording of, you know, the life of like the Jesus. I mean, like there's a lot, but there, there was a lot missing because niggas really thought that like Jesus was coming back for everybody in like 10 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> People didn't really, because you know, the whole message is that I will be back soon. Right? The yeah. end of times, the end of days will be soon and I'll come back. Niggas thought soon was going to be 10 years, 20 years. Niggas didn't anticipate another 2,000 years and Jesus wouldn't have come back yet. So um, we have to think about how historical records <laughs> were kept. Um, By the time Christianity gets to West Africa, it's literally like, I don't know, like white people was just kind of like, oh my God, it's the Garden of Eden. God has given us a chance to start over again, right? Because they have these like, they go really fucking hard (laughs) and stand ten toes down 
on that watered down version of Christianity that yeah. they got, right? That focuses in on certain things. And they're like, oh my God, it's the Garden of Eden. It's our chance to start again. Let's just take it all. <laughs> they're like, they yeah. fucked it up. So I also don't get it. It's just kind of like, also, if it was New Eden, why did y'all fuck it up? I don't know. That just seems like a symptom of whiteness to me. Doesn't <laughs> that sound? No break, no jam, no sense. All right, so that was part one of that conversation. And I think like the moral of the story is that we have a few questions. We have a few questions. We have a few questions. Um, There are many things that contradict the supposed or what men would tell you is the word of God. Right. There are just certain natural things that we see on the in the world that contradict what men would say is the word of God. And like me and Nancy said, I don't think Jesus would be upset if we were to question those things and to ask certain questions. So with that being said, I'm not going to do a drink in the face. I'm not going to do a drunk tale because, like I said, this is part one. Stay tuned for part two. It'll be coming sooner than you think. And y'all have a fabulous motherfucking however many days until I release the next episode. Bye, niggas. No break, no jam, no sense. Joro, jara, joro. Tell them to go quench. Joro, jara, joro. No break, no jam, no sense. Joro, jara, joro. Go and kill. Joro, jara, joro. Go and die. Joro, jara, Go and quench. Put up all the verse. Go and quench. Ha 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 ha. Order.